I thought you were starting without me for a minute there. Just <laughs> uh, lovely to see you all. Very warm welcome to you all, whether you're here in the space or accessing uh, the service through a screen. Uh, it's good to have you with us. Our call to worship today is taken from John's Gospel, uh, chapter 12. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. And so, friends, we shall sing together, uh, My Lord, what love is this? If you're able, please stand. Son of God, give for 
sit down friends let us pray Lord Jesus Christ we thank you for your death on the cross and for your rising from the dead we thank you that in your death all of our sin is dealt with every wrong thing that we have ever said or thought or done All that we might ever say or think or do, which should not be, it's all covered by your blood. It is all dealt with by that one single event. And you make the offer to us. Come and live again, as we've just been singing. And I pray, Father God, that all of us might find ourselves in that place where we understand that freedom is ours because of what you did on the cross, because of your death and your rising again. Now all of our horizons are open. There is real life to be had now and on into the future. So as we stand in the presence of your beauty and holiness, glory, recognizing that we're not all that we should be, we will not wallow in that. We will not struggle with that. We'll just come freely and openly confessing all of it, letting go of it in your presence, allowing you to deal with it, allowing you to pick us up, to dust us off, and to set us on our way once again. Draw near and bless us, we pray, in that glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to see a little video. Let me tell you... 
The night before Jesus died, a group of girls and guys gathered under the Jerusalem skies to try and summarize the events of the previous day. See, Jesus had just been taken away and while most had fled, Peter decided to stay, trying to find a way to enter the fray to save his saviour from this Roman power play. But as he sits down by the fire to warm his hands and feet, a person starts staring and then begins to speak. Hey, isn't he one of them? One of those weirdos causing havoc in Jerusalem? All of a sudden, Peter's got a dilemma. As he escaped this malicious agenda, he does the obvious thing. His fingers start fidgeting and the rocks on the ground become particularly interesting as he says, no, I don't know that guy. I'm just here for the fishing. Okay, it's not the best lie, but interest seems to die and the group moves on. That is until someone else comes along and says, weren't you with those guys before? Peter's like, nope, you must have me confused. I'm just your regular, everyday, ordinary Jew. And if I'm honest, I'm kind of tired of being accused. So if you excuse me, I'm going to sit somewhere else. But before Peter could feel too pleased with himself, a third person comes along with serious intent. You were definitely with him, 100%. You've got the same accent. Who else could you be? So Pete gets mad, says, now listen to me. I've never even heard of Galilee and so the reality is you're the suspicious one, not me. Suddenly, Pete remembers the prophecy that he would deny Jesus three times in what was quite possibly the worst moment of his life. But hey, don't worry, there's a bit more to come. Three days after he dies, God's only begotten son defeats death and shows the world that he's the one they've been waiting for. But when Pete joins him by the fire, he isn't really sure if he's going to be accepted. Yes, Jesus is forgiving, but Pete feels disconnected. And so as he approached Jesus, he probably expected some kind of divine retribution. Instead, he received a divine resolution as the pollution between the two was burned away. And that same story plays out today. As millions seek to find a way back to Christ after going astray, imagining there's no way to close the space, when all he wants to do is show you his grace, to invite you to take a seat, to warm your cold feet, and to be restored in love, just like he did with Pete. Let's hear from God's word. So the reading is taken from uh, Gospel of John, uh, chapter 21, reading from verse 15 entitled, Jesus Reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is a disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Thank you, Douglas. Excellent. So our uh, service this morning is all about Peter's restoration and about the forgiveness that can be found when we come very openly and honestly before the Lord Jesus. Uh, We're going to sing together once again. At the end of this song, I will receive the offering uh, and our friends in Junior Church will make their way out as per usual. So if you're able, please stand. As we sing together, I stand amazed in the presence of the Nazarene. Of blood for mine. How 
half of us. How wonderful and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Father God, once again, we've come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. Please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. Friends, if you're engaged with Junior Church, now is the time for you to take your leave. The Lord be with you. Amen. So, friends, we come to our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. As always, Father, we begin with that note of thanksgiving. Glad that we can come to you, a loving heavenly parent who delights in the presence of his children. Like any parent, uh, you want to know, What's going on in your life? What's going on in our lives uh, as we live them? What are the things that bring joy and delight? What are the things that concern us? And we bring those things that concern us to you. 
Some of us, are, we're older, Lord, and we've been around a while, and we remember what the world was like when we were young. And we remember winters that were cold and summers that were warm. And we look at the way the world is today, and it seems a bit different. Sometimes our winters are not as cold as they used to be, and they're a lot wetter than they used to be. And our summers, well, we remember those balmy, pleasant summer days with a little breeze. And our summers seem to be hot, very hot. And in some parts of the world, the weather is a real concern. In India, there are heat waves, unusually hot. In Spain, unusually hot for this time of year. And when it rains, often people look at the skies now with real concern. Is there going to be too much rain all at once? Is it going to wash the earth away? Are we going to lose our crops? What will happen? Will we be flooded out of our homes? Will we have to replace everything once again? There are so many things, Lord, that seem to be not quite right with the weather around the world. And all of the work that has been done does seem to suggest that we might have something to do with that. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us gently and tenderly, but nevertheless speak to us and help us to see what we might need to change in the way that we behave in order to have the world as we might like it, in order to have a world where we don't have to be fearful about the weather. Give us ears that are open to hear your voice, we pray. We pray for the great nation of Australia, having elected a new government and a different political party to one that they've had for a number of years and in that nation there is that sense of new beginning and uh, fresh approach. We pray for the new Prime Minister and for the government that he will form. Uh, we pray for all those members of Parliament who have been elected. We pray that they will, there will be women and men of good character that they will remember all the promises that were made in the run-up to the election, that the party uh, and the people will be sincere, that they will govern righteously and justly, that they will have a care for all of the citizens of their nation, whatever the colour of their skin, whatever their sexuality, whether they're male or female, uh, whether they have much or little we pray that righteousness will prevail. We pray that there will be peace and that there will be justice. And what we're praying for 
the new government in Australia, we pray for every nation around the world. That's what everybody wants, to be able to live in safety, in peace, and securely. To know that we will be cared for and looked after. To know that we will be treated humanely, no matter our political outlook or views. To know that we will all have a chance at life. And that leads us to Ukraine, Father, and to what is going on there and the war that Russia is prosecuting in the east of that country. It has been weeks now, weeks and weeks, and this shows no sign of abating. And we hear the Ukrainian president say, this will only be solved by negotiation, and we pray that that might happen. But we know Russia will not come to the table until they feel they've achieved what they wanted to achieve. And that looks a long way off at the moment. We pray, Lord, that unjust aggression will not be rewarded. We pray that the nation of Ukraine will remain a territorial integrity. We, we pray that everything that was Ukrainian before Russia invaded will still be Ukrainian after the war is over. We recognize, Lord, that these are big things that we're praying for. These are big things that we're asking. But they aren't bigger than you. They're certainly bigger than us, but not bigger than you. So we feel confident in coming to you with these big things. There are smaller things too, smaller in the world's scheme of things, but some of them are very big for us. Some of us are unwell, we're sick. We haven't been well for a long time. We need to know the touch of your healing hand upon us. Some of us, Lord, are facing death. We don't like to admit that. But some days we know it to be true. We need to know your peace right now. We need to know that we're safe in your arms no matter what the future. We need to know that there's a place for us at your side. There's a place for us at the banqueting table. We believe it to be so. Will you reassure us, Lord? And for those friends of ours who are in a similar place and we're not sure whether they know you or not, will you please speak to them? Hold them in the palm of your hand. Tenderly call to them. 
and say to them, as, as we've been singing and as we've been saying already in our service, there is space for you. There is a place for you. Come. And for those who miss loved ones, who miss loved ones because they have died, for those who are grieving, Lord, we thank you that you've shown us that death is not the end. There is something to come. There's another life. There's another reality, another possibility. Thank you that you know what this is like, Lord Jesus. You stood at the, the tomb of your friend, Lazarus, and you wept, you cried. Will you help those that need to cry, to cry today? And then, Lord, will you wipe away those tears and show them that newness of life which is coming Walk with those who sorrow and grieve. Journey with them. Keep them close. And help them move through to the other side. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we'll sing together once again. Here is love vast as the ocean. And we're going to sing uh, four verses in the, in the mission praise. Uh, or sorry, in songs of fellowship, there are only two verses. But in the old hymn books, there are four. Uh, and today we're going to sing the four verse version. So please stand if you're able as we sing together. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. His love will not remember Who can cease to sing His praise He can never be forgotten Throughout them's eternal days On the mount of crucifixion Fountains open deep and wide Through the floodgates of God's mercy Float a vast and gracious tide Grace and 
perfect justice Kissed a guilty world in love Through the years of human darkness Shone the lamp, the prophets trimmed Making known redemption story of the love of God undimmed. Christ for every tongue and nation, all must come beneath his way. Is the everlasting kingdom that shall never pass away. loved ones gathered in from near and far. Amen, amen. Do sit down, friends. Well, Peter, bless him. Peter, the man of action. Peter, the man of passion. Peter, the loyal, impulsive, impetuous, stubborn, idealistic, vacillating, thick as two planks, (laughs) man of spiritual insight. Oh, Peter, 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 Peter. Oh, what a man. What a man indeed. And aren't we like him? I'm like him. Sitting round the table on Thursday night, Jesus washing everybody's feet. He comes to Peter. Oh, not just, I don't know, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, if I can't do this, Peter, then you won't have any part in what I'm doing. Well, not just my feet, all of me. No, no, you don't need all of you washing. You just need your feet doing. Now, friends, I'm going to be handed over uh, to the religious leaders, I'm going to be handed over and I'm going to be killed. No, 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 you're not. No. Yes, I am. And you're all going to run away and leave me. No, 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 Lord, no. No, I'm not. Even if they all run away, I won't. I will stay. I will die with you. Really, Peter. Before the the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Peter wants to do the right thing. He absolutely wants to do the right thing. Externally, he declares his willingness to die, not once, not twice, but seemingly endlessly forever. I will never leave you. Even if they all run away, I won't. Internally, He has insufficient resource. He can't do what he wants to do. 
None of the disciples actually could do what they wanted to do. None of them could stand with Jesus. None of them could stand by Jesus. When he went off into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and he took the uh, inner circle of three with him, Peter, James and John, stay here, pray with me. And they fell asleep. They could not even pray with him. All of their resource is insufficient. All of their physical, mental and spiritual resource is not enough. And at the point of the crucifixion, Jesus has to stand alone. No one can share that moment with him. However, Peter has made this declaration of intent, and the others have said the same. Before the cock crows twice, you, Peter, will deny me three times. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, but I have prayed for you. It's a spectacular failure on Peter's part. Spectacular failure on everyone's part. And now, he has risen from the dead. He's appeared to them a couple of times by this stage. And just prior to that piece that was read to us, Peter and James and John, one or two others, are by the shore of the Sea of Tiberias, and Peter says, oh, I'm going to go fishing. Yeah, we'll come with you. So they go back in their experience to something that is familiar, something that they know, something that is safe, something that they know how to do. And all night they spend fishing and catch not a fish. Nothing comes near the boat. Nothing gets into their net. And as the dawn is beginning to break, and they're thinking about coming back to the shore, on the shore stands a figure who calls out to them, friends, do you have any fish? No. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat. And there are so many fish, it's a struggle to drag them into the boat. And the disciple whom Jesus loves says to everyone else in the boat, it's the Lord. And Peter, bless him, puts on his outer garment, jumps over the side of the boat and wades to the shore. And what is he going to find? And there is Jesus with a little fire running and some bread and some fish. Come and bring your fish. Come and have breakfast. And after breakfast, well, the focus narrows, as indeed it does on that Thursday evening when there's that exchange between Jesus and Peter. And here the focus narrows once again after breakfast. It's just Peter and Jesus. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? I wonder what the these were. These fellow disciples? All these fish that you've caught? That former way of life that you once knew? 
We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. A second time, Simon, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Simon, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Hurt. I'll bet he was. Not as much as Jesus was, though. Abandoned, left on the cross alone to die. Peter was hurt. How many times has my pride been hurt when someone has said to me something or other? How stupid. How stupid to let something like that get in the way of serving the Lord. How stupid to let something like that get between me and someone else. Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. So what is Jesus doing with this three times over? Well, we know, don't we? Because on the night that Peter betrayed, on the night that he denied, it wasn't just once. It wasn't just twice. It was three times. Three times he said, I don't even know the man. Leave me alone. So three times... Jesus asks the question. Denial one, wiped away. Denial two, wiped away. Denial three, wiped away. Everything, everything that could stand between Peter and Jesus, wiped away. And that's followed by a prophetic word about Peter's future. You'll be led away. People will take you where you don't want to go. Uh, Things will happen to you. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So there's there's no misunderstanding about any of this. There's No question that needs to be asked anymore. It is the Lord. So when Jesus comes to confront him, what is going to happen? He knows very well that he failed. And he knows that he failed spectacularly. So what is going to happen? What happens is, Jesus forgives. Jesus restores. Jesus opens up new possibility and says, follow me. What's going to happen with you and with me when we find ourselves in this place with Jesus? 
And of course, there's this little uh, distraction, isn't there? Just before Peter acknowledges that he will follow, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. What about him? Lord, what about him? Never you mind about him. You just do what I've asked you to do. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. And isn't it interesting how rumors start? Oh, that fellow will, will never die. He'll be alive when Jesus returns. That's not what he said. What about you and I? There's a reason why there is a prayer of confession and repentance early in the service when we come together. It is so that we can put all of our cards on the table and acknowledge the reality of the relationship. We know that we are not all that we should be. So we acknowledge that, we put everything on the table and we say, Lord, will you please forgive? And Jesus, of course, says yes, because that is his character and that is his nature. Uh, And because you and I have said yes to what Jesus did on the cross, then we have access. We can call God Father. What about him? Never mind about him. Pay attention to what I'm asking you to do. Don't be distracted. Be attentive to the voice of Jesus. I particularly want you to hear this if you're the sort of person that thinks you're no good. If you're the sort of person who always hears that little voice that says, well, it's all right for him to say that about everybody else, but he doesn't know you. I don't need to know you. God knows you and God loves you. And his care for you is such that you have done nothing at all that will put you outside the purview of his love. I can guarantee that you have done nothing that will put you outside of the love of God. He stands ready to receive you. All you need to do is take the first step towards him. And if you don't believe me, well, believe the Bible. Read the story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. Look at the way the father runs out to greet the son. That's how God wants to be with you with each one of us. You may have failed. Well, join the club. Everybody in this room has failed at some point. Jesus waits to restore you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what he might say to you. Don't be afraid uh, of how he might receive you. Just come and find all that you need in him. And please, friends, don't be distracted. If this Jesus is speaking to you this morning, don't think to yourself, well, yes, this would be lovely, but I just need to do this first. Or I've got that that I need to attend to 
before I'll be acceptable. None of that is so. The invitation is there for us right now. The invitation to come and have breakfast. The invitation to come and to be received back into the fold. It is there for you right now. You don't have to do anything to make yourself ready. You don't have to do anything to make yourself acceptable. You are. All you need to do is say yes. All you need to do is say thank you. That's it. Jesus comes towards you. Jesus calls to you from the shore. Come and have breakfast. You may have failed. Jesus waits to restore you. Don't be distracted. Be attentive to his voice and find your way home. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for this little portion of your word, Lord. It's rich in detail. Clearly somebody saw this happen or was engaged in this episode. Thank you that it speaks to all of us about your great love for all that you've made and especially for us. Will you speak, Lord, to each one of us? Will you just tenderly call our name and invite us to come and be with you? Especially, Lord, those who feel that they are of no account. All of these resurrection stories, they all seem to have a a thread that just says to people like that, you are loved, you are accepted, come in. Lord, I pray that everyone will find a home with you. Draw near to us as we seek to draw near to you. Amen. So we shall sing together once again. This is a great old hymn that I haven't sung for quite a long time. Uh, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Yes, you can. Please stand if you're able.
May the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.